podcast about real people for real people. I wanted to create a space where I share my true feelings and those of my guests about what it's like to live in today's world. The challenges we face and how we deal with them or don't. What about all that stuff that's just not said but should be? You know the conversations that we really want to have but don't. What do we really think and feel? What about our regrets? The dreams that we have and the stuff we should be doing but we don't. Each week I'll be here talking to real people about real life. This is a very honest look at life and hopefully by listening it will help you to have a better understanding of yours. Sean was a child performer since the age of 10. He had to deal with the pressures of performing and at times not wanting to. He was very alone and had to cope with all of his emotions at such a young age as well as the anxieties around the way he looked, his weight, his skin and even looking at his shadow as being too fat. This was an extremely challenging period of his life. He had to deal with being bullied, moving schools a number of times as a result of his talent and the unfortunate prejudices in our world. Ultimately, there came a point when enough was enough and he wanted out. He needed time off to deal with his emotions. He then went back to music to initially play, then study and perform for himself. For me, he had unbelievable courage to do that. He currently works in education and the music industry and talks about a new relationship with his father now that they're both older and have a completely different perspective on life. I truly hope you enjoy our conversation as much as we did. Why did you perform as a child? Oh, well, both my parents were in the creative industry, so dad had a recording studio that he built from the ground up, and he built a, f- uh, a floor above it, so like a, the first floor of the building, and we lived upstairs. So I was always around the music industry, so between like 9 and 5 p.m., don't walk around upstairs just in case, you know, you transfer any noise, etc. Um, my mum, she was also in the uh, arts industry, so she, was a, she came from like a, a film and TV background, and kind of like stage acting. And she moved to Australia to, she was brought into broaden the like the creative industry or, or something along those lines in Darwin from the, in the Northern Territory. So I was always around it forever and ever. Growing up, kind of like before I hit 10, my mum ran this program called Art Sprouts, which was this, it was like the go-to like youth performance, like regular workshop thing for, for young people in, in Darwin. I was involved somehow, doing something like that, blah, 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 blah. I was always there. And then when I was about nine, I was on the office computer downstairs. And very weird song, but Michael Bublé's version of Come Fly With Me was playing. And something about that song like was super infatuating and just intriguing. I learned the song like really quickly for some reason. And then that kind of, that was like the, the start point of me being a performer. My mum was, I'm sure she always wanted creative children as she ran a, a, you know, a children's performance school. I kind of got into it that way. And were you ever pushed into it, looking back on it, do you think? Or did did you choose yourself to do that? I think, I mean, at that age, you don't really have, you're not really an adult. You're not old enough to really make your own decisions. And even whether, whether you think something is the right thing or the wrong thing at that age, in terms of like deciding what to do, 
it doesn't really matter because you're still 10 years old it's you know it's just how like how kids go like oh you should do sport or you like you should do piano you'll have a piano lesson every week that kind of thing so i can't really remember whether i mean i'm sure it was exciting 10 years old surrounded by people singing and dancing i wanted to be involved and i was good i'm very good i think i was i was guided into it without me really being aware of it and once i was in it was very hard to get out i think super busy as a child performer from kind of 10 to 16 years old or 15 16 whether it was like corporate whether it was competition based stuff whether it was for the one of the cooler things i did at that age was i was uh, one of the opening acts for the arafura games so it was like chubby old me in a white suit singing an usher song and i had backup dancers it was a whole thing it was a whole thing and what's the i, I should know this but the arafura games because the arafura games is is so the arafura sea is is the body of water well i think it's the body of water don't someone correct it that connects like the top end of Australia, the Torres Strait Islands, some of Asia, like that, that kind of chunk. And it's kind of like a mini, it's like a mini Olympic games. And it happens every four years, I think in the Northern territory. It's a big, like, it's a huge deal. Like there's a whole, like, you know, 45 minute massive festival esque entrance of like all the athletes and all these musical acts going like a mini Olympics. It's really like a small Olympics, but yeah, I remember, I think I was 14 maybe. And then I got contracted to, to do that show. And so, you know, we, we met up in the studio and we record the back, like we got the backing track sorted, rehearsed with the dancers, you know, got the costume, the whole thing. So that was a, that was a fun little moment. All the, all the shows and all the gigs that I ended up doing were because A, I could, I could sing and I was a good performer. Um, but also because I had these two parents that were pretty heavily in the industry like in, in, the, in any arts industry, no matter where you are, it's, it's very much who you know, not necessarily what you know. And because they were both well ingrained into it, I think a lot of it just came my way. And in Darwin, there was really only ever, during my period anyway, there was really only like three or four like good solo young singers. And then there was some choirs and stuff that we were all interchanging between. And so, yeah, we'd get all the, we'd get all the gigs. Like I've sung the national anthem like hundreds and hundreds of times. It was just like, a, and that was kind of my introduction to, to making money as well, because I was getting paid. So my parents, I mean, unless, I don't think they were, but my parents weren't taking any of that money. But yeah, that kind of really introduced me to the whole, like quantifying performance for financial outcome. And how did you find it to be out there, front stage, mm. you know, stage front and center or whatever? Yeah, so being out on the stage, it's, it's, it's like a, it's a 50-50 thing. So sometimes depending on, because don't forget I'm still a child right? I still want to be a kid at that age, right? You're like a sponge, right? So if you have, let's say you do 30, 30 shows and every time you do the show, like there's a really good sound engineer, the microphone's great. Nothing's broken. The stage is nice, whatever. Like there's like a certain, your expectations are set at a, at a certain level and you have no real context as to what that means in the real world, right? In the real industry, like how it actually functions. So you've just, you've done 30 shows and it's been great every single time. Um, and so it's fine. You, you walk in, you know, the stuff, you sing it and you leave every, and you get paid and you get some snacks cause there's always food around. It's great. When I would get, like, I'd get upset, like visibly upset is when it was a show that I didn't want to do. So that's when my, like my mother or my father would book me in for a show that I didn't really want to do. 
and it wasn't about it wasn't about like whether I was getting paid a lot or not. It was just whether I wanted to do it. So it'd be like a like a community gala ball at some random hall that I know wouldn't go, wasn't going to have like a competent sound person, so there's going to be sound issues. And like there'd be people there that I don't really want to sing in front of because I'm still, you know, an insecure 13-year-old or I was singing a song that I didn't like. Like it, it, all of that adds up into and when you're at that age, like you don't really know how to manage expectations. Like that as a concept is not even a thing yet. And so when I wouldn't manage my expectations properly, I'd be like super upset and I'd do a really bad performance. And that would really like weigh heavily on me both before, during, and then after the show. And if you do, if that happens to you enough, you get pretty marred by it. When you're off the stage and it was a good show, it's fine. Like I've never, it wasn't, it was never, I never had that. It's very rare. I've only really found it recently, but that sensation that people talk about, like when they sing, and it, it just feels good. Like there's a feeling that comes with it. There's like a euphoric satisfaction that some people get from performing. And I never really got that because for me, it was always a job, which is interesting because I've never thought about it like that. I don't know. It was, it was really just like a slider between being, oh, this is pretty good to, oh, I'm just going to cry in the bathroom back and forth. And, do, and how did, who did you open up to? No one. Because I couldn't talk to, I couldn't talk to my mother about it. Because she was my manager, let's say, for the sake of cleaning up that relationship. Like, she was still a mother outside of these shows. But she was, you know, she was like a, it was like a show mum without, if you know what a show mum is, without being, like, TV crazy. She was never like that, I don't think, anyway. And I wouldn't, I couldn't, like, you couldn't really open up because the, the mentality of the show must go on was, like, just ingrained into, into my being. Because my... To, to clear that up too, my sister was also a dancer. She was a contemporary dancer and had been for that whole that whole period of time as well. So she's six years older than me. And by the time I was experiencing all this stuff, she was already a 16-year-old going through, you know, cutting through puberty and her world was crumbling on and off. And so I couldn't really talk to her about it. Plus that relationship at that age is quite weird. You've got this smaller, like you've got this younger brother who isn't as cool. So I can't really like, you know, we're not here to hang out, that kind of thing. So yeah, I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it, looking back now. You must have felt very alone then. Yeah. What about peers? No, no. Because singing, being a male singer at that age, yeah, it's definitely not cool. You don't get street cred. Some, like, some people that aren't... Dar- Darwin is a little bit bogan. There, there is, there is, especially in the, in the education system, as is with everywhere else in the world, but especially Darwin... My group of friends were very, very specific in terms of like real, like real long-term friends, the ones that I still have now. But because of, because of my, my performance background, like I could float between, I could float between groups because I can switch it on and switch it off as long as they didn't know that I'm, you know, I'm a singer or if there were just some understanding people, then it wouldn't, wouldn't really be a big deal. Like I never really opened up to call it like peers about how this made, how performing made me feel because one they wouldn't be able to relate to it like they they would have no idea what it's like i just don't i think at that age you just don't think you need to talk about it because how you're feeling is normal there wasn't a part of you that went oh my god i'm when you were crying Mm. and you'd be so upset Mm. that you just go i don't want to feel like this no as opposed to what you just Uh, said i think it's it's it wasn't like 
that's the thing. It was it wasn't like I'm crying. I hate this. Like this is the worst thing because it's everything's very exaggerated at that age. Like this is the worst thing that's happened to me in forever. It didn't occur to me that either performing was creating that issue because it was usually it was the show. It was a specific. It was one show that was making me feel that way. Probably compounded over time, but in the moment of me being upset, that show is what's making me feel really bad. If you look back on that period of your life now, mm. how you were at that time was really not a good way to be in terms of excuse me being so isolated. Okay. And not, as you said, not able to say to someone, on, you know what, I feel shit. Mm. Or I'm really upset. Mm. I know you're a kid, but not to be able to go to your mother yeah. or your father and go, you know what, this, is, this isn't fun. This isn't fun anymore. I don't enjoy this. And like look, Looking back now, so it's a hindsight thing. It's definitely not an ideal space or an ideal kind of like lifestyle framework for a child looking back now what's important to this answer is i'm all of those all of that isolation all of those moments of having to like figure it out on the day or not having anyone to talk to about it like having to troubleshoot your emotions slash an issue in front of you that's creating, making you feel that way, that has made, like, the, the positive outcome of that 10 years later is really noticeable for me. Like, like I, I really like, ironically, I really like the way, I'm flawed, but I like the way I've turned out, which is a really good place, and I've only really been there for the past couple of years, so that's, it's a great, it's a great outcome. I, like, I, I wouldn't want my child or someone else's child to be in a similar in a, in a similar environment just because like the relationship between parents is is flawed and i think cuz like i had some friends that had like solid relationship with their parents but they weren't in the industry they were just you know they go to school play sports blah blah, blah. and they were also there's so many variables to this, but they, they, their relationships with their parents, like they had this clear, this is, we're getting a little bit older now, but they had this clear relationship where if you need, like if something's happened or you've drunk too much or something, you know, blah, 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 you can call me and I won't ask any questions. Like you get one of these, but you call me and I'll pick you up and we won't talk about it. Like that. And I had a few friends that had that, that kind of arrangement with their parents. And that to me seemed just so astoundingly supportive and like understanding of like what a normal child's life is supposed to be like. And so there's a little bit of jealousy on my end. Like I was surrounded by beautiful people. So they, I, I kind of got to live, I got to live that chunk of that kind of experience through a lot of my friends, which is great. And I'm sure the parents could feel that too. My, my close friends, we, it was really good. It was a really tight group of friends and extended family through their parents. If you could find a balance between being a performing child and also having that type of relationship with a parent, like a real, I can call on you anytime, I can talk about stuff, would be awesome. Unfortunately, I didn't nail that. Or well, me and my parents didn't nail that. It could have been worse. Like, it could have been a, could have been a much worse childhood. Don't get me wrong. And I, I recognize that. Um, so I don't complain about it. You know, I can joke about it because it's, it's funny because I turned out fine, you know, like, man, I've got a full-time job and I've got a partner and I live in an apartment. And it's beautiful. 
but it, it's it's so I can joke about not having a childhood or you know instead of like when I come home from school instead of going and playing with my friends I've got to like practice songs for four hours you know that like that it's those things that compound over time that I think really eventually once once I grew old enough which is like 15 16 that I realized that it was taking a toll on my lifestyle and my relationships with my friends and my growth as a teenager so how take how was it taking a toll oh all of okay. those things you just said like I, re- I realized that performing shows for a co- like a corporate entity that has been prearranged because hey, you've either done it before or because your parents told you you have to do it I realized that there is like there are more there's like more there are things that are more important to me than kind of facilitating that for my parents so that the, it kind of went from like six years of thinking I'm doing this for me to I think I'm doing this for my parents and that there was a there was a specific turning point when I was 15 it was the oh, a citizenship ceremony in a park and it was a song that I didn't know very well because I was I was a teenager then so I was starting to get a little you know I'm not a practice I don't want I don't want to practice um, I've got I've got games to play you know I've got friends to hang out with so it was around that time the song was in the wrong key for me so I was singing and I was your voice is starting to break at that age as well so you're dealing with that whole thing plus hormones so it's a whole melting pot of of grievances it was mostly because I wasn't prepared for it for the actual show itself so I, basically all basically what happened was I, I sung and it was fine like no one would have noticed but to me the standard that I was propped up to to reach or the standard I was I was holding myself up to just wasn't met so I was like a little bit embarrassed and then driving home after the show like I got a I got a stern talking to from my from my parents about you know like that wasn't good enough like that that should have been better and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a it like that sounds quite negative it wasn't like a you're better than that you know we expect more from you it wasn't that it wasn't that type of discussion it was just pointing out that that wasn't good enough and that like generally speaking i should have done much better but everything everything culminating together years of like years and years of these boring ass corporate shows and you know, constant practicing and having this weird dynamic with my parents. I had like, I retired. It was crazy. I was just, it was, I was so, I was so frustrated and angry at my parents for after getting this grilling that I like, I just, I hated music. It was very weird. And I hated it for like two years, maybe, maybe just, maybe just under two years. But like after that I did, next to no shows at all like no more like every, like yeah you basically used to do every, a show every weekend plus something in the week right but i stopped doing that all completely i would take maybe one or two like big paying kind of like gala shows because they're a little bit more flexible and i get to pick the songs i'm playing you know they'll request one but that's fine but yeah i quit and i just be, just was a teenager from yeah it would have been 14 15 there and then like i really noticed i you know, I've just started high school and I, I do remember I had quit music the year before. So now I'm in grade eight. It's my first year of high school. Unfortunately, I'm, I've been put into a school I didn't want to go to. But then, yeah, so like time passed six, seven months and I started slowly getting back into music through my own way. 
you know, I was, I was drumming a lot. I was starting to drum. So I kind of moved away from singing to playing drums, became good at it and then started playing for like different, different artists and doing bits and bobs. Um, and then my dad, my dad bought me a acoustic guitar and this is the first time I had played guitar. He bought me an acoustic guitar and I came home one day after school and it was just sitting on the couch and I was like, Oh, new guitar dad. And he's like, that's for you, which is a beautiful gesture. Mind you. At this point, I think there had been a realization that, oh, maybe, like he, you know, give, give, give him some space or whatever it was. How did they react when you came back then to, to when, given what you'd done for years mm. and there's an expectation on the rest of it, mm. how did they cope with the fact that you said, I'm not doing this anymore? Well, that's... And how did that even be, not be allowed to happen, but how, mm. yeah. Like, I'm just not sure if my recollection is actually how it went down, which is why telling the, like, talking about it's i'm i'm slow because i'm just not sure but i can't i can't really remember i i i I do think i had a conversation with my mum specifically or maybe both of them about like why i don't want to do it like at the dinner table you know like 5 30 in the afternoon after school i think there was a conversation and it was it must it would have been a little bit heated because for them it like for them it doesn't really make sense like why why like why would you stop singing you can sing why why would you stop like don't be picky don't be don't be spoiled yeah i i I can't i can't remember how how they reacted initially they were definitely like annoyed i would just say annoyed or frustrated and the the mentality was like what a waste you know like we've like he's he's he me has spent so long getting to this point like why stop now so I think, I think there would have been that floating around. With certain groups of people, to tell them that you were a singer mm. would have been too embarrassing and wouldn't have been mm. the right thing to do. But how challenging was it to be not who you, to not to, to be able to express how, who you really mm. are? You have to hold stuff back. Cool. Well, for one, I, I was embarrassed. So it wasn't, it wasn't even embarrassing just to be able to sing. Like that's, there is like this, let's call it like raw talent, right? So you've got this, you've got this talent that you didn't ask for you're just able to do it obviously you've got to put work in but but there is there is an element of 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 talent that you can't teach and i had that at that age and i didn't want that like i didn't when i was five i didn't you know look at a at a microphone and go man i just want to be a singer i never i never have had that feeling even now like it's never really been my goal to be a singer going into like school or different environments where you had to discuss that with, with other peers. It wasn't, it wasn't really like, I didn't, I, I never, I never wore it on my sleeve. Like I didn't really show it off because it, I was embarrassed. And at that age, you're, you're a soprano, so you can sing quite high. So if you put everything together, like I'm, 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 I was a little bit short that had a really high singing voice and there were videos of me, you know, online or, or people knew that I could sing really high amongst all these other types of people who were just like fucking playing footy, you know, um, playing, playing other sports. And I was, I was dabbling with sports, but I, I could never really commit. Like I could never really commit to it like they did, whether cause a, I didn't want to, or B I couldn't because of my music work or whatever. I never really wanted to explain to people that I was a singer and your parents no matter how much they tell you, like, you know, don't listen to people or whatever, like, that doesn't matter. 
if, if you're getting in like you, the whole bullying thing is if you go down the whole bullying road like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what your parents say it, it, it just matters what tim and casey there you go random people yelling at you in the playground and that's that's what really that's what stuck around for a long time and that's what that's what kind of really built a lot of insecurity around around music generally is because at that time like i moved to schools a few times because i was just getting bullied a lot for being a singer so yeah i think getting bullied having to move schools like more than once like three times i moved primary schools three times kind of like predetermined whether i'll i would talk about being a singer or not and then you go you go to a new primary school it's like cool let's start fresh try again you know maybe the 40 like maybe the maybe the boys and the girls won't figure out that i can sing and then for some reason either the the choir director or the music teacher finds out that you can sing or someone tells the music teacher that you're able to sing whether it's my mom or someone else and then you're back to square one you're back in the choir again or you're singing at the front of the choir, which is usually where I was. And that was the other thing. I wasn't just part of the choir because you can get away with that because you're sharing the embarrassment with other with other kids. No, I, I get the solo and I have to go up the front at assembly, you know, at nine in the morning on a Friday. And I can see like all the chuckling footy boys, you know, laughing like, oh, look at that loser singing so high. Sounds like a girl. Oh, it's a whole thing. It was, it was, it's such a, it was such a funny, a funny way to experience assemblies <laughs> but it's amazing the way you're saying it to me now and it must have been that was tough to go through that yeah it was it was it's challenging it was definitely challenging and not having the tools like being being able to like tough tough skin i i, I had i grew up i created tough skin over time but not having the tools to to manage how that felt what like what do you do when someone you know screams at you for being able to sing really high at that age you don't know why they're screaming at you you know it's just like how when anyone gets bullied people are just getting bullied for random if not completely irrelevant reasons not understanding that it doesn't matter just took just takes like a toll you know in a primary school age child you know and that's that's why that's why the whole bullying thing is is such a big issue it's because you have all these young people that uh, getting bullied for all sorts of reasons or for no reasons at all just there's just not enough awareness of of that like to explain that that doesn't matter and that when someone yells at you for being short out of all things and like not even like midget short like you know like just normal shortness that that genuinely has no that that shouldn't have an effect on you at all and it's just, it's just it is a shame looking back that young sean took on so much of that kind of like hallway critiquing, hallway yelling, which is a bit sad, you know. But on the flip end of that, it has shown me, like when when you grow up and you and you recognise that oh none of that really mattered, you know, good work for still being around because some people you know some people can go down a bad rabbit hole and then they they can get lost or they commit suicide and it's a whole thing then. But I'm glad that on the other end I I I look back and. It, it gives you perspective on on what matters and what people's words actually mean and whether you should take anything on board or not. And I think it also gives you, it lends you the ability to, to read people a little bit better and read situations a little bit better as well. Like, and you, you hear it a lot actually, you hear people say like, thanks to the bullies out there. But it, it, 
it actually, I think that stands on its own, like thanks to the bullies, because like without them, I definitely wouldn't be the kind of person I am today, which is good. I think it's a great outcome. It's amazing that you can articulate in the way you have and mm. be able to have that view of that experience because it's weird. It's, it's, it's still, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a very weird, very time. challenging time. Yeah, I mean, look, I, like. I've had a lot. I've had a lot of time to think about it. Like my partner's been, she she's quite helpful with that. Like you'll cruise through, you'll cruise through, and think you have no problems. You know, blah blah blah. Like I'm solid as a rock. I've got nothing to deal with. And then she'll point out something that you've never really, you've never seen from that perspective before. And then over time, you 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 can realize like where that tool set is coming from, or where that where that issue is coming from. And the, and then and I think that's that's partly why now like I'm feeling I'm I'm feeling quite comfortable with myself and like a lot of my insecurities that I had growing like in my teenage years have kind of like flown away you know it was always it was always weight related and obviously everyone's got everyone's insecure about their skin growing up as well and the whole singing thing like I've kind of lost I've gotten rid of that really recently like I'm it's 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 a it's a good feeling being just being comfortable and what do you put that down to one, gr- one growing up is, is is a big is a big deal i grew up a lot faster i, I was working from 10 so i was i was in a, i was in a completely different environment i was always growing up in terms of just perspective i think anyway a little bit faster not to throw one away but like i did a lot of kind of like mind opening drugs in i just say late high school period for people that haven't tried it before, like we're talking about like psychedelics, let's just say, let's just say psychedelics for the sake of it. For people that haven't tried it before, unfortunately, you don't have any frame of reference and you don't understand what, what that experience, if you've had a good one, because you can have bad ones, what that experience can do for giving you awareness and scope and like understanding why small things like like why what what matters in a relationship what matters at work what matters in a social environment like all those little things that was something that you needed at that time because it gave you that perspective okay. now cool. or do you think no come on dan i i was just taking drugs because that's what that's clearly what yeah, kids right. do so i yeah so i didn't i didn't turn i at no point in my life and i'm i'm 100% on this i have never turned to substance as a way to deal with something which and I recognize that for some people it is but I have never looked at it even once I started like kind of like early 20s when I started recognizing that like more consciously recognizing that I had a very odd childhood I never turned to substances as a way to figure it out or to deal with it which is interesting because a lot of people do turn to substances to, to manage emotional try and figure out a really bad part of their life and i'm not sure why i've never needed that like which is interesting a lot of stuff's coming in from what you've described to me in your mm. childhood a lot of stuff's coming into your space into your head into mm. your world therefore you think of you know of I've, course you of course you would be drawn to that yeah but, and, and I, yet you're saying and i wouldn't yeah wouldn't at all, which, which is, is which, which is, is weird it's weird it is weird. In a, in a good way. In, it is in a good way. But it, it's amazing that, I mean, if we had people in the room who'd been through a similar experience to you, I bet you most of them would be saying, I had At to some turn point, to something yeah. because I needed that as a... 
Oh, that's very odd. I've never drawn a relationship between any use of substance to dealing with. Did you have any kind of vice that you turn that you did that you turn to that you look back and now and go, oh yeah, actually I was doing that because obviously I needed some kind of outlet. No, I found a lot of release and relief in in ironic like weirdly playing video games because it's it's this so the video games I used to play were either in a team of five so we'd all connect to the same game and we were all playing as a team and because there was an element of seriousness around it because as I told you before we were like we were playing competitively for a while so it was like you know it was it was for us to a team like that's it's serious stuff like you roll up but you you finish school and you go home and you you log in and you you're practicing like you spend six hours practicing like tactics and then you go and play one of the competitive matches like that's what it was like and it was only during when I was studying recently that I, I realized this but like video games really gave me like this 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 space to to breathe and not and not think about it because you've got to like you want to be invested in the game and the game is releasing like endorphins especially males there's a really good study on it you should go for a hunt but basically the way video games release endorphins is really well suited to the way males bodies want to absorb and like take on those endorphins it's just the way we 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 receive gratification from playing the video game it's a really good way to deal with anxiety and 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 stress and if you're feeling shit and for me it was it was playing a video game which is odd i realized that a few years ago when i was studying and i couldn't switch off like the the course i was doing was 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 full-time and i was working 100 hours a week after that so i would yeah i would work and then uni work and then uni work and then uni and then once I, I started lessening my work, but I, I recognized that I was, I was still feeling like super anxious, not dealing with my stress appropriately anymore. I started playing this, this new game with my friends who also moved to Melbourne. The one space I could just get in and be completely free of like normal life anxiety. You get anxious in the game because of the game, like relative to the, the, whatever's happening in the game, um, or you get stressed out because of the game. But I could have had the worst day and then I could just play this video game with my friends and it would be resolved. And it's and that that functions like a drug because of the way it releases endorphins into your body. So one game lasts for 40 minutes. It's five people versus five people. It's super, it's like super, super fast paced. It's very complex because it's video people take it like just people take it seriously online. Like it's just a thing. You you've you've you have kids that scream like every now and then. Like it's a serious thing. It means a lot during that moment you know, battle royale or whatever it is. And it's, you've got up and downs, you know, you ha- you, you do great, you do bad. Um, and as soon as it finishes, your brain, like your body releases that tension that you were holding on for the game. It gets released. And then you instantly need to do it again. Like instantly. And for some people, it's like, it's a, it's a, like some people play for 15 hours straight. You get itchy and you look at the watch and it's like, oh, it's 3.30 in the morning you know, partners in bed, I should probably go to bed. And then someone says, it's, it's funny, actually, this is exactly like, like, exactly like, like addictive substances. And someone goes, oh, let's just do one more. We'll just do one more. And you weigh it up and everything logically, like you've got work in one hour. Uh, you haven't seen your partner for five weeks because you've been busy, you know, whatever it is, you haven't slept for two days. You'll, you'll think about it and you'll weigh it up and chances are you go, oh, I'll just play one more game. And it's that, that is actually the first time I've ever, I've ever experienced having like a vice or like 
a way to get away from, like something to get away from daily living. And it just happened to be a video game. Thank goodness it's free. And aside from the time factor, wait and wasting that time because it is wasted time. And so then, how going back to music? Mm. How did you? You touched on it before. Mm. Bad experience. Then went into drumming. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, quick. So retired after six six years of pretty much performing every week for years. Mini retirement at a young age. Did one year of high school. Started kind of like getting back into music through the drum kit. Um, and how did you? Was that tough to to then go? Okay, I've got a whatever you thought at the mm. time about that experience with music to then touch another thing um, in music, or you didn't. Well, I, this because it was a different instrument. Like the 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 core negative from that whole six six years is at times when I realized that I was perf- I wasn't performing for me at any point. That's kind of that's that's the good one. I wasn't performing for me. I was performing for someone else, whether that was the client or because it was prearranged by my parents. Um, I was always doing it for someone else. Picking up the drums like relearning a new instrument you know getting competent at it quite quickly was really refreshing and it's fun like it's 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 the most fun instrument to play on a stage ask anyone like everyone it's the one it's the one you want to do because you get to hit stuff and it sounds cool the only the only downside to that is you have to carry it seriously like if if a drum kit could fit in your pocket everyone would be a drummer it's the best it's the best instrument on the stage guaranteed like i didn't start playing drums and and reflect back on like I didn't, I didn't look back and go, oh man, that sucked. Like there wasn't, there wasn't really a negative at that point. Cause that, that's a year, it's a year from when I retired. <laughs> it, I didn't look back at it at all. Like it was a negative experience, which, which is interesting simply because now when you look at it, if you, if like, if you wrote it out on paper, it definitely looks, it looks, it doesn't look great. It looks quite negative actually being the person dealing with it and kind of moving through that whole period yeah I didn't look I didn't there was no negativity towards it and there wasn't there wasn't any at least from memory there wasn't any like pressure after the fact that noticeable pressure that I should like start focusing on singing again that was never really thrown around which is great there was I definitely didn't feel any like angst or negativity towards singing after this kind of like year of, of not doing it. But you know, learning how to play drums was fun and then learning how to play guitar was fun. And then I eventually found music again, which was great, through the guitar. And the artist was Jason Mraz. At this point, me and my dad were, were kind of like, our relationship was getting better. Um, how old am I now, 16? Like my parents had split at this point. We, we definitely escaped over that, which is an accident actually. <laughs> but at this point, like I'm still living with my dad just by choice because all my stuff's there. That was the house I, I had, I was living in. So our relationship was kind of like starting to like strengthen. And because growing up, like when I was younger, he was he was never home because he was he had the studio. And when he wasn't working at the studio, he would, he would be running like music festivals. So I didn't really have a strong relationship directly with my dad during that kind of time. But now, you know, now, now, now that my schedule's kind of just like school and then home, we, we got to build on that a little bit. And we kind of found we were able to find like some serious common ground with with playing guitar and playing like actually playing music not just singing against like a backing track or singing at a corporate function 
and yeah, it was like it was a, it was a really positive. It was a really good positive growth period for me during during like that six like 16 17 18 years age bracket because i could yeah i learned how to play the guitar i started like learning all the songs like all my favorite songs on guitar and singing them as well and so i kind of started getting a little bit back into the performing aspect of singing and playing but instead of just being by myself i had a guitar which is is like a physical shield and people that people that don't sing don't really recognize it but having something in front of you on stage can really change the way your insecurities are managed. It's 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 just like it's body it's a body language thing. Like if you're having a meeting with someone and someone puts their arms like this, like they're caging themselves because they're just feeling a little bit unsettled. A guitar is is like a wall. Never thought of it like that, mm. but as you say that, yeah, of course. It is. And and you can people that don't have much stage experience or just haven't performed enough you'll notice them you, like a lot of singer songwriters who are used to sitting at home or like you know at, at the local markets playing very cl- like very closed off with a guitar in front of them if you take that guitar away they do not know what to do with themselves like they are lost they can't perform well they just feel uncomfortable like singing is, is it's 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 quite a vulnerable exercise even though the audience never see it that way. They just, generally speaking, punters, like patrons are just impressed. Like, oh, singers are, oh, wow. Like, oh, you can sing? Why don't you sing all the time? Like, sing for me now. That's a terrible, if you, just as anyone listening, if, if, <laughs> if you know a singer, don't ask them to sing unless they really want to sing. But just don't because it's, it's self-shattery. <laughs> um, just because you can do I remember it. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's like, oh, you're a singer, I'll sing, sing me a song. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. <laughs> So having that, having that acoustic guitar in front of me kind of let me manage that insecurity again, um, which it might have just come from not performing for a while or maybe I maybe, maybe didn't actually ever have the insecurity, but when you introduce this, this little guitar in front of you, like it gives you the opportunity to grow a little bit insecure because yes. you're hiding behind something. Yes. Being there at such a young age, mm. going back to the singing... You could think that clearly that would be very ins- make you feel very insecure because you're standing there. Yeah. and you didn't say that that was something that you felt. No, it. it, it I mean, it definitely was, like multiple insecurities because you've got you've got performance insecurity, which is your ability to actually complete the performance, do it well, um, and then enjoyable for the patrons. And then you also have image insecurity. So you've got weight, you've got your hair, you've got the way your face looks, how big your nose is, are your ears too big? Like all that, all that stuff comes into play. And I was a little bit like, if I, I see photos of myself now and it's, I like, I've definitely, I definitely have some, some shit to deal with, but I thought I was like super overweight, like to the point where I'd look at my shadow and, and be embarrassed by my shadow, which is ironic, which is crazy. Like that's, 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 you read about that in a magazine, that, that kind of stuff. And that all, and I think that all stemmed from, aside from being a normal person, I think like the, the weight of that really came from, you're like, you're always performing. You know, if you if you if you're performing that much, you get used to constantly being looked at. You know, being in the spotlight, and so over time, like those insecurities, like they they did build up. I definitely had image insecurities for years and years and years and years and years, all the way up till maybe I was like 19. I was still dealing with it pretty heavily. Like I, I genuinely thought I was like like fat, and I still I still make cracks about it now. But I'm comfortable with myself now, so it's it's much more manageable. But yeah, I remember I was touring nationally with reggae dave and the iris which is this one of the best 
the best group of, of musicians I've ever gotten to play with. I was I was definitely conscious of how I looked. I was like, oh, I'm a little bit, I'm still a bit, I'm a bit fat. I was playing soccer a lot during that period. Like I was playing for like three years, like every single day. Like I was, I was fit, super fit, crazy fit. And I, I still felt, I was like, I was like, like severe, like overweight. And then I look, I saw, I saw a photo like a year ago, maybe two years ago. And I was like a stick, like, like a tiny, like a, like a healthy, like a healthy teenager belly. I like would, you wouldn't even call it a belly, but I just remember feeling like, it's like so insecure that I'd have to change my shirt, like in bathrooms, even around my friends, like wouldn't go to the beach. Like it's crazy. That, I think all of that stems from constantly being on stage and constantly having this, this, you know, the glam and glitter and the, the shroud of being a performer. I mean, if you take that away, like you're left with what you are, which is in, in, a, in a professional capacity, like you're never, you are never you on stage. It's in the, in the environment that I was in, in the commercial environment I was in, I was never actually me on a stage. That was a funny one to figure out late in the game. So what I do now is, so a few years ago, I completed a Bachelor of Music. So I'm technically a competent musician, even though, uh, and let's not get talking about education because it means nothing. <laughs> but uh, I'm a competent musician. Uh, aside from that, I still work as a, as a live audio engineer, which I, I did a lot kind of growing up. I mean, I had to, I was, I was already in the industry. I work full time in the education sector. So my nine to five is I'm a manager at a university. And then I have my little side business thing that's happening at the moment. Shared workspaces, but for people within the music and film industry. So very, it's, it's a niche, so that the spaces are designed for people that need to make sound or that, can't, that couldn't complete the work that they're doing inside like a normal office. That's, that's what I'm doing now. And then music-wise, I've been putting it off for years, mostly because after the degree, I, did, I majored as a vocalist. Let's just say I was 20, I just moved to Melbourne. At that point, I had been playing drums for five years, four years, and I'd spent those five years behind the drum kit because I was doing music that I enjoyed. Like I was doing music that I could relate to and I, I wanted to be a part of, and I had to carry the damn thing. <laughs> I started wanting to, to explore like my ability as a singer-songwriter and to explore the idea of being at the front as well. Because like, I'm, I'm, I'm quite extroverted and I have like a healthy amount of, of ego that needs feeding. As, a, as, like a, as someone in the music industry, not everyone wants to, to be up the front, but after being at the back playing drums and keeping it solid for everyone and doing a great job, mind you, there was a part of me that definitely wanted to be at the front and that would, that would be years of performing, you know, years and years and years of, of, of being up the front. And so I started wanting that again. And so like, aside from just like gigging on and off as a, as a guitarist slash singer at the same time, singer songwriter, like went and studied a degree as a singer. Well, it was, it was, I was on a whim. I think I told you I flipped a coin at the signing desk and I lost the coin flip. So I signed up for the degree. Very weird way to, to decide whether you want to study or not, but that's what, <laughs> that's what happened. During that degree, the way, because it, it's a contemporary degree, the way they structure it is they, they, they teach you how to be a session musician, a session singer. And a session musician is someone that is well-versed in and has the skill set to play as many genres as possible. So they can go into a session, like a recording session, and it can be a Latin song or it can be a pop song, it can be a rock song or a jazz song, doesn't matter. And they have the tool set and the capability to, to perform that type of music and emulate those styles of music. 
right? And the way they structure the course is, is to do that. So they teach singers how to emulate rock, pop, jazz, funk, all that stuff. They do a whole, like a world music part where you're actually emulating the language as well. So you have to sing in Portuguese or, or yeah, or Spanish. Wow. It's, it's designed to give singers a bag of, like, and they teach every other instrument as well. It's structured to give singers this, this bag of skills that they can pull out. Because this is, most people go in as a singer-songwriter from their bedroom and they play it, you know, like competitions locally and they perform at the shopping center and stuff like that. A lot of people go from that into this degree where by design, it's, it's there to, to show you how to emulate other music and other vocal styles. And at the tail end of my degree, I completely forgot what my real voice sounded like, which is a big deal for a musician because, or for a singer especially, because that is your identity. And when the instrument is your body and the instrument comes out of your mouth, right? And you can, like, you can, you can change the way a voice sounds like drastically if you've got the right technique but usually if like if i asked you to sing if we went to a pub right now i had two beers and asked you to sing and i asked you to do it again the next day and the next day guarantee it would be the same it would be very similar every single time when you ask me to sing i'm not sure if that's me which is cool and also very confronting and i've 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 told this this little nugget of a story to a, a few people but like I completely forgot how I sounded and I can't recall it the way I sounded before I went into a degree, before I went to this degree. And I'm still not convinced that I came out with a better voice. I've got, I'm, I'm way more, like my skill set is way higher and I'm way more competent and way more accurate and more controlled and blah, blah, blah. But when I sing, like if you, if you put something in front of me, I don't just start singing, I subconsciously siphon through different ways of singing the same thing and then I pick a voice to suit it which is exactly what you're supposed to do as a session musician but as like a from a creative standpoint like you've lost you've lost the aspect that kind of makes like you've lost what made you you as a vocalist and I've been struggling with that over the past couple of years especially when you write music do you you because you touched on it about your parents being divorced and stuff? Mm. Do you do you so are you in contact with both of them now? Yeah. And they they supportive of what you're doing now? They kind of or, or has that relationship changed or? Oh yeah, so yeah, my parents split. I can't remember how old I was. I must have been. It must have been around the fifteen, sixteen. So after you'd, when you said yeah, I don't want to do that. It was after. But was it how close was it to that? I'd out of interest was it was within that... 12 to 18 months maybe? okay or so it wasn't it wasn't there's, there was, there's no there was no connection no, between no. the two at, okay. at least i don't think so you know i'm i'm not them so i don't know i don't know how i don't know what the dynamic no was. i mean more more about that why you subconsciously i don't know what, how it was for you mm. and i speak because obviously i'm divorced now mm. so i always think of my children how what they mm. pick what you pick up from your parents even people who've got parents who are still together, there's stuff that you're aware yeah. of to a certain extent as a child. They argue, they mm. whatever, or you just don't do that, and oh, okay. therefore, did anything play into maybe why you went, oh, I can't do this anymore because this? Oh, I mean, possibly, like all parents fight, no doubt, because both my parents were 
basically they were full-time creative industry so I'm, I'm sure at times there was some financial strife which is always a big one long-term relationships there were always at times that like a like an air of unhappiness everything else was so was so skewed like my like our, our childhood was like because i have i'm the middle child as well i have an old sister and a younger brother we're all six years apart everything else was so skewed that i like i just assumed all parents were like that as well i don't think there was there was definitely no relationship between me stop me deciding that i'm over singing I, i'm quitting for a bit and them splitting up you could speculate because my mother left my dad a year or two after I stopped singing. I think that's how I remember it. And you could speculate that because her performing golden child stopped performing, that it was one less thing to kind of like keep her around. That's plausible because as like, as a, I'm not a parent, but I can imagine that as a, as a performance, as a show parent, you, when when you put a lot of your energy and she's she's also said that I talked about it earlier her art sprouts thing which was this this youth building thing for for performing kids she was like she did that for me was is is what she says as soon as me performing was taken out of the equation then maybe she you could speculate that she didn't need to hang around anymore and it was just one less it was just another reason that you know maybe it's time to bail so that's that is plausible I would, I would be interested to actually go into that one. Like with, with them, I'm intrigued on that as one. As you said to me now, I'm like, well, it's totally plausible. It does, doesn't it? It, seems, yeah. it does seem plausible. Given if there was no history and you hadn't said what you just said, mm. then you might not make that connection yeah. quite as obviously as mm. I am now. But given what you told me and the whole story of what's happened... It totally seems to. I, re- I, I reckon plausible. there's a run there. I might, I might have a look into that. I'm interested I'll in that be, one. You should ask the question. <laughs> I mean, now it's... A long time, I'm yeah, sure. You, you, yeah, absolutely, you, you can answer that question. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. No, that's a good one. I'm going to ask. I mean, do you see them much? Do they still live in, in Darwin? Or well, yeah, so I, no, so they uh, they've all moved. So my my dad lives in Melbourne now, which is which is great because I was living with my dad before I had moved to Melbourne. So he was like, I was I was already an adult. I was working like full time. Him moving to Melbourne was really great. My sister was already here as well. She moved down. Being able to to figure out our relationship is awesome to be honest like a lot of a lot of a lot of kids have have struggles with their father relationship because old hat thinking of how men are supposed to be really dictates the their relationship with their children and i think that plus being busy kind of like really slowed our relationship down so now that now that he's here and I'm an adult and our relationship's good, I think. I don't see him much because he's also busy. Like he's also working full time here. I um, mean I'm working full time too. And he happens to live bloody like forty minutes away. We don't I don't get to see him as often, but when we do, it's great. He's really come out of his shell too, because he's remarried and she's lovely. She's lovely. Cause growing up I I he was always just like stressed, I think. Or under pressure or you know, was never really happy in his current circumstance, whether that was because of the relationship, having too many children, or, you know, trying to run a business. He was just never really happy. And after he, he obviously he had a few years as a, as, a, as a single father, you know, and dealing with heartbreak and everything else that you go through. Like he's, the past couple of years, like he's, 
it's really nice to see him become happy. And I think he also realized he won't talk about it because he's you know he, he's like sixty, so he's 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 definitely still old, old like old old style thinking. Like he's 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 more open now, and that's probably because I'm also older as well. Like he doesn't feel like there is like instead of instead of it approaching as I have to be your father, it's I'm your dad, but I'm also now we can also be mates, and I think that and you like you see it. Um, I'm sure you'll experience it when you when your kids are my age as well. But you, for for me personally, there is this dynamic where, like, you have the you know you have the undying parental child love, and then you also have you're old enough where we can be mates, and there are things that are now on the table that we can talk about or make jokes about that I didn't have growing up, and so that's really great. I love I love I love how that relationship is is moving, and it's awesome. And then my mum, so he lives in Melbourne. My mum lives in Queensland with her partner. Lovely guy. Love the guy too. I love both my my step parents. Is that the right word? Yeah. Both absolute champions. Love them both. And she's been like she's she's still doing it. She's like working in the in the art scene there, trying to do her thing. Like she can't keep her still. She's currently working on a musical that she's written because that's that was her thing. She did film music like film and musicals. I'm involved in it in some capacity. I'm I'm working on the music for her. In general, like up up until recently, the past couple of years, like our relationship was, aside from not seeing each other, I mean, as normal as, because she was my main caregiver growing up, because dad was busy, and then it shifted to dad being my main caregiver when they split up. But our relationship didn't take a note. Like it just had to, it just had to take a step. Like it took a step back because I was busy. I didn't see her, and there was there's definitely some like undealt with gripes that I think we're all kind of sifting through. And they're not big deals, but it's just like long-term compounding stuff. Really small little niggles of, 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 of personality things or like tone, like the way, you know, when someone's, the way someone speaks about something or speaks to you about something, like tone is a really big deal that we're all kind of still kind of figuring out how to best read, read her. But our, like our relationship is solid. Like I, I, when I was like late teens, I was still able, I was able to talk to her about you know, relationship issues and stuff like that because she was a mum. If you're going to talk to a parent, you talk to mum first. Is generally the way it's structured. So I was still like, I'm still able to be open with her, and never really had a problem with it about personal stuff. I just didn't really talk about it because you know I was a I was a boy. <laughs> I was trying to be fucking. I was trying to be a boy. I was trying to be a man. You just deal with it. But yeah, but now now because she lives so far away, it is just really hard to keep that relationship um, consistent. You know, a mobile phone can only go so far for keeping that connection really strong, especially with like my entire childhood history. It just, it just makes the, the it's a, it's a, like a very nuanced relationship. And now most recently, like we're working on this project together. Well, it's her project. I'm just helping out where I can. And the, the relationship has gone back from being a mom, a mom's son thing to now it's we're working again. And I personally struggle being excited for this project because it's like oh nothing's really changed we're still it's still the same we'll go through these periods where where it's work 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 and all we talk about is work and like i'm only contacted if it's work related at least that's how i feel that might not be correct that's just how it feels and then we'll have like we'll have like a a a chat and say hey like start again start again it's it's getting a bit too full on and then i'll just go again Mm. which is very interesting that's tough mm. to navigate your way through that. It is given the history and everything else. Yeah, luckily, like my siblings are beautiful. 
my my older sister because she was also in the she was also creative she was a dancer she, growing up she was a, she was a great dancer like really good and then my mum always wanted her to be a dancer like a professional dancer my mum wants like a trio of creative children right and then she also took a hiatus around the same age as me but obviously earlier like six years ahead of me and it's like she got lost for a while you know being a teenager she she was because my mom's filipino like they moved over my my sister's from a different dad um so like she she got moved from from home to here she was too young to really remember anything but you know she she grew up in darwin a classic teenage girl um from a movie you know kind of having like everyone's got boy dramas you know i hate the world you know my life sucks having that whole thing um, and then being like told that you're, you're a dancer, you should be dancing. So she was trying to deal with that. So she eventually was my, she was eventually flown to Melbourne. Like, I think she was just getting into not, not police trouble, but like, just like just dealing with the wrong people in Darwin. And she was, she was moved to Melbourne. She was just booked a flight basically. And she was sent to Melbourne just to get away from it. And then she was here for a while, kind of, you know, got her, got her, got her shit in order. And then she found a passion for psychology. She was never really an academic none of us are we're like none of the kids are but she was never an academic and then she found this this like huge like huge deep passion for psychology because she she moved here and she actually did a degree in 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 dance at deacon she did a contemporary degree so she studied that recognized that actually like i love this and i love the way it makes me feel and i love what it, what i gain from it but i have this deep deep um, love for psychology so she starts doing her psychology degree this week actually she's just she's just finally gotten her placement at a psychology practice and so she's actually doing it and she, I've, I've watched she, like over the past five years like she's had to she's had to navigate her own relationship from being like like I recognize that I was a, I was a dancer before but now I really want to be this like I really want to be a psychologist and then parent a will be like that's really cool like good on you and then we'll just like constantly try and chip away and, and like oh you should you should dance again mm. or oh don't you remember how good it was like straight out of a, like you can write a book on that so she's she's had to manage that that relationship too and my brother because he's now 19 and he's in the music industry he, he's studying music at the moment and he's killer very talented young dude but he grew up like he was he, he grew up when the parents were split so he's I actually haven't really talked to him about it because he's he's definitely bottling a lot of that up he was just a, he was he was just much angrier as a child because he was dealing like his his whole growing up experience was completely different as well um so i'm yet to kind of go deep with him on that but I, i'm interested to see like i think once he turns like 23 24 because he's still like he's only been in melbourne for two years like he's still kind of figuring out hmm. what he is and what what things mean to him um so when he's when he's my age i'm definitely gonna talk to him about it because i'm interested that's kind of how I'm I'm feeling about the relationship at the moment. It's good. It's it again could be much worse. Like when you get to look at it, it's fine. It's it's like it's good actually. It's good. I would never complain about where my relationship is with my parents currently either, because um, it could always be better. But it's 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 nothing it's nothing bad enough that you should be complaining about it. Because at least, you know, at least I still have my parents too. This is, you know, a big thing. And they still love me. Um, and I was never kicked out of the home. Okay. I think that's a good place to stop. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for listening to More Real. I truly hope you've enjoyed the experience and that you will continue to be here to explore real life with me.
If you have, please tell anyone you know about More Real. I love creating a space for real conversations. So if you know anyone who would want to be on this podcast, please email me at morereal1, one is spelt O-N-E, at gmail.com. Once again, morereal1 at gmail.com. I'm very grateful as always for your support.